welcome to the World We Got This podcast, brought to you by King's College London. In this series, we take a look at the complex issues we face in the world today. We ask those researching and studying these fields about the challenges we face, the impacts they are having on society, and what we can do to help solve them. Hello and welcome to this episode of World We Got This in Conversation. You're about to listen to a conversation between PhD alumnus Maria Berta Essia Salgado and Anthony Pereira, Professor of Brazilian Studies. Maria Berta's research looks at how foreign policy interacts with health by specifically looking at the relationship between Brazil and Mozambique. She explores how power is intertwined with health policy, in particular soft and hard power in Brazilian foreign affairs. This extends to the role of Brazil in establishing a factory of antiretroviral drugs in Mozambique. So that's drugs that don't cure HIV, but can reduce the amount of the virus in the body of somebody living with it. She speaks about her experiences doing fieldwork in Mozambique and the challenges of finding policymakers to interview. In 2018, she visited the antiretroviral factory, now a pharmaceutical factory, called Sociedad Mozambicano de Medicamentos. She explains why this factory was such an important case study for her research, as well as the impact of patents. Let's get on to what she has to say. Uh, Maria Berta, you defended a PhD thesis last year called The Drivers and Outcomes of Global Health Diplomacy. Lessons from Brazilian Health Cooperation in Mozambique. And I just wanted to start out asking you questions about this thesis, really with the title. And what does health have to do with diplomacy and, and foreign policy? What are the connections between those two things? Well, I wanted to understand what led a country like Brazil to cooperate with Mozambique in health. And after doing some research, I understood that there were some drivers, which are political and economic interests, and some outcomes that were expected from um, this kind of cooperation. So in this instance, uh, health and foreign policy were very related because health served as a foreign policy tool to achieve health and other non-health related goals. So that's where the title comes from. And um, I understand why you chose Brazil. I mean, you you are Brazilian and Brazil is a, as you call it, a global health player. You know, it's had famous vaccination campaigns. It's done a lot of research, especially in tropical diseases. Um, it had an HIV AIDS program that won an award from the United Nations. But why did you choose um, Mozambique in, in Southern Africa as a place to do research on, on these connections, on this, on this connection between health and foreign policy on the part of Brazil? As you said, most of my research came from the fact of me being Brazilian and me wanting to understand more of the Brazilian agency in global health. And in this regard, looking at Brazilian cooperation and Brazil using health as a foreign policy tool, uh, Mozambique was the main receptor of uh, Brazilian cooperation. And it was in Mozambique that Brazil 
did its most ambitious global health project, which was the implementation of an antiretrogal factory that then became a pharmaceutical factory in Mozambique. So it came a lot from exploring the literature and seeing where the main projects were going to, where the main interests were also on. And yeah, so I got into Mozambique by following basically Brazil foreign policy action. So tell us a little bit about your research, your fieldwork in Mozambique, because that's often, for those of us who have done PhDs, that's often the most memorable part of of doing the PhD, sort of going out there and interviewing people and finding documents and doing all that exciting stuff of, of getting the research done. How, how What was your experience in Mozambique like? So I went to fieldwork to Sociedade Moçambicana de Medicamentos in November 2018. And during field work, I tried to talk to diplomats, policymakers, but mainly I focused on following the transference of technology, capacity building and know-how coming from Brazil to Mozambique. So it was um, it was a very interesting experience for me because I think when we are planning our PhD. Uh, we are instructed all the time to plan ahead and think about what we want from our field work and how our field work will feed into our research. But as much as I planned and I tried to, you know, be prepared for what was to come on field work, it was a very challenging part of the research for various reasons. I think Political-wise, because it was a thesis on global health diplomacy, I expected to speak and interview with uh, some people that I ended up not having any uh, access to. So I think that's quite a common thing for us. I hear lots of people that are doing uh, fieldwork, especially interview with uh, policymakers, not having this granted access. So that was very challenging to the point that the week before I went to Mozambique, I still didn't have enough um, people to talk to. And I think that ended up being the strength of my research because it made me look at my fieldwork from another perspective. I didn't have access to policymakers, but I did have access to a lot of uh, pharmaceutical professionals. Um, so that gave me a more technical perspective on what is cooperation in health, technical cooperation in health, which is teaching capacity, transferring technology, um, teaching know-how. So having this contact with pharmaceuticals rather than politicians also helped me a lot to see what was not being um, assessed from the policymaking side, the, the challenges that were not considered when signing a diplomatic document. This was, I think, the strength, but it was very difficult to to get to this um, outcome. I think that's a good reminder that policymakers often think that they're changing the world merely by signing documents. And there are other people who actually have to have to implement the ideas that are in those documents, and they often have no relation to uh, what the policymakers think is going on. But you you mentioned the Sociedad Mozambicana de Medicamentos, this uh, antiretroviral uh, pharma factory in Mozambique. What, what's the significance of that? Because that seems to be a big part of, of your research as well in terms of the empirical side. 
my thesis is kind of a big case study on this factory. Uh, with this factory, I can confirm or deny what has been said in the conceptual framework or in the foreign policy um, analysis side. So this, this factory was important because it gave me this ability to see what is decided on paper uh, that is actually translated to actions and what is decided on paper that cannot be translated into actions in terms of capacity building, of um, know-how, of funds, of um, production, etc. So I think the importance of this factory is actually having some, it's a verification process. And it also taught me, because my research starts I talk about, um, from the Brazilian side, the Lula's government and Fernando Henrique Cardoso and Dilma Rousseff. Um, it helps me to understand how foreign policy interacts with health in different ways. So how different governments do different plans in foreign policy and how health has this very uh, malleable nature that helps this foreign policy goals to be achieved or not. And the factory was always a point of reference to see what was going on. I've got a follow-up question on that about foreign policy and health, but before I ask it, I, I wanted to just to um, ask another one about the factory. Does it produce antiretrovirals for the whole region or just for people in Mozambique? Um, when I visited the factory, there were still some delays in the um, transference of know-how to, to actually produce to, to Mozambique. What happens in Mozambique is that, if I'm not mistaken right now, 80% of its antiretrovirals are donated from the U.S. So from, you know, the series how policy is planned and how policy actually should be implemented. When you have 80% of the medicine being donated, it was not really profitable for them to then, you know, reject these donations and put on a large scale production of antiretrovirals themselves. There was also an issue of um, how actual their actual problem is not a word for it, but how up to date their antiretroviral was, because the antiretroviral they received from the US was more evolved, more, uh, it was more effective in, in pharmaceutical terms than the antiretroviral. The line was obsolete, the antiretroviral line produced by this factory. So it was a better idea to have them actually continue the donations. Thanks, Maria Berta. Um, going back to foreign policy and health, I, I mean, a, a big theme of your thesis seems to be how power in, is intertwined with health policy. Um, you know, in an ideal world, states would say, okay, what are the health needs of the global population? How can we have fewer kids dying from drinking unclean water? How can we, you know, 
extend the life expectancy of people in poor countries? How can we give everyone access to health and so on? But we know that that's not really the way the world works, right? Foreign policies are about national interests and about the pursuit of power. So power is a big theme in your thesis. And you talk about uh, the role of what you call soft power and hard power in Brazilian foreign policy. So maybe what's what's an example of uh, an outcome where where power considerations you know changed what happened in terms of in terms of health um, in 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 this relationship between Brazil and Mozambique? I think the relation between Brazil and Mozambique was pretty much a soft power. Um, relationship because it was about the entire discourse around this cooperation was built around mutual culture, mutual international objectives, cooperation. It was also in times of, you know, international peace in terms of health. There wasn't a pandemic or anything. So the Brazil-Mozambique, it's much on the soft power uh, realm. Uh, in my thesis, when I talk about uh, hard power, it's when I talk about the trips battle between Brazil and the US, because it was for the um, patent, right, for the production of uh, antiretrovirals nationally. So Brazil could produce antiretrovirals and forward its national HIV plan which happened mainly under Fernando Henrique Cardoso government. So this is two different moments that I talk about. Again, this, uh, how malleable the, the concept of health and power is. Health and power interact differently depending on objectives. So in the first moment, this hard power moment under Fernando Henrique Cardoso is about this time that, you know, it was about economic sanctions, is about producing uh, medicines uh, nationally and the US and other pharmaceutical companies were worried and were trying to protect this Brazilian market. And this went to the WTO. And in the second moment, it's soft power because it's about values, it's about admiration, it's about culture, it's about a shared objective. So this is where I, I draw the conceptual line on my thesis. I, I do remember that period, and it's a very important period, I think, in global health, when the health minister for Brazil, Jose Serra, um, was saying to the pharmaceutical companies, look, we, we're one of the few countries in the global south that can actually produce these medicines. And if you don't lower the price to deal with the public health emergency that we have, we will break your patent. We'll, make, we'll produce it ourselves. Uh, India could say the same thing. South Africa could say the same, but not many countries in the global south could do it. And some people were horrified by this. Some people said, oh, my God, he's threatening pro uh, intellectual property rights. He's threatening uh, the, the, the autonomy of the big pharma companies. They should be allowed to charge whatever they want, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people said he's standing up for the health needs of people all around the world. And this is an actually very, very principled step. And it's a very and, and had a had a very positive outcome because the, I think with Roche and some of the other companies, they lowered the price. They, they recognized the threat to their intellectual property and they, and they compromised. When you, when you were in Mozambique, did people recognize that about Brazil? Did they say, well, yeah, the Brazilians really had a good role and we're partly getting access to these drugs partly because of the stance that Brazil took or were they more indifferent 
to Brazil's role in that or, or more ambivalent about it than, than you might have expected? Well, I think there are two different aspects here. It depends who you are interviewing. Uh, so if you were talking to people that I interviewed somebody that used to work to the Ministry of Health of Mozambique. And yeah, th this knowledge uh, came forward uh, about the principles that Brazil was following and how it, it's not only a matter when we talk about the patent and the HIV um, plan in Brazil, there is this side that you, you said that is about this ethical debate on patent rights. But if we look at the Brazilian side, this patent and this uh, ability to produce nationally was important for Brazil to follow its national constitution because it was uh, stated in the constitution that it was the, the role of the state, the role of the government to provide healthcare and this healthcare treatment for patients in need. So Brazil was just, you know, adhering its constitution and it got into this massive international debate and even trouble about patent rights. Uh, this is acknowledged uh, in Mozambique and I think this is where, this is the moment where the developing world uh, and most African countries started to, you know, defend Brazil's position in this um, in this patent issue. So I think lots of the credibility and the soft power that Brazil gained came from this developing world and from this admiration from the developing world towards Brazil standing up to its right to, to produce and distribute this medicine. So, yeah, but, you know, it really depends on who you are interviewing. And I think it also depends a lot of the the individual's um, personal view on the value-oriented aspect of access to medicine, because you will always have this double kind of concept. Yes, patents are you know ethically important, but also human rights and access to medicine are equally you know even more important. So you have this issue. I think it's a great example of domestic politics influencing uh, you know, foreign policy, because as you say, it's a constitutional right of Brazilians to have access to health care that drove the Brazilian perspective on it. And of course, there are countries in which that isn't the case. You know, If you go to Washington, D.C. and talk to policymakers there, there is no social right to access to health in the United States. Uh, and they're much more likely to be on the side of the pharma companies. Um, but what about... Um, um, you might not like policy questions, but I'm just curious. I'm going to ask it anyway, even if you if it's not really the main purpose of your thesis. But if you were in Itamaraty, if you were in the foreign ministry of Brazil and you were man, you were on the Mozambique desk, you were managing the bilateral relationship between U.S. and Mozambique. Is there something that you would that you would do differently from what it's been doing now? Is, was there something that you kept coming up against in your research that you said, oh, this this has to be changed. This should be changed. This should be reformed. It's not. It's not good. Or are you generally okay with the nature of the policy? Uh, I mean, something that kept showing up on my research, and I kept asking everyone about it, and people just looked at me and said, "I don't know." It's 
one of the main issues and delays uh, of the implementation of this pharmaceutical factory in Mozambique was the portfolio. Because it, it was initially thought to be an antiretroviral factory. But again, Mozambique received large donations of antiretrovirals. So it wasn't really, you know, there is a matter of uh, national sovereignty embedded in there from the Mozambican side to, you know, do not depend on US aid for antiretrovirals. So you can see ideologically how that works. But economically, it did not work for Mozambique, um, especially because, um, yeah, it was too expensive to, to maintain just an antiretroviral factory. They needed more sources of, um, you know, profit. That's why they transferred the project to be a pharmaceutical factory. And when I was doing fieldwork, uh, paracetamol was uh, on the line of transference, and that's because of the epidemiological profile of Mozambique. Um, the pharmaceuticals, they were explaining to me that especially due to the high incidence of malaria, paracetamol, because of its properties, was a good medicine to have and to circulate on a state-owned factory. Uh, but the portfolio was the big issue. And the thing that I kept asking people is why nobody checked what was the demand of the country? Because they have a fully working factory. They have employees that were trained and educated on high level. They traveled back and forth to Brazil for training. Brazilians traveled back and forth to Mozambique for training. They trained it in Farmanguinhos, which, which is one of the reference uh, pharmaceutical um, institutions in Brazil. But the portfolio, it's not right. So they produce for a while, and then they do not need to produce for another great while because they don't have market for the medicines they're producing. So that impacts a lot on the profit or even the economic stability of the factory itself. And that impacts a lot on their know-how because they work for a while and then they have periods where, you know, they are just waiting to see if they can sell the medicine. So I, I would say portfolio and economic viability based on the portfolio would be the main things I would pay attention to. And, and it sounds like when you say portfolio, what you mean is that, that the production in the factory should be more based on on what consumers want, what the demand is, rather than just saying, we're going to produce this supply of antiretrovirals and see if anybody actually needs them. Um, it seems a bit um, cart before the horse. But let, let me ask you about Mozambique, because you do say in the thesis that it's very marked by its experience of having a liberation struggle against Portuguese colonialism that started in the 60s. And Frelimo came to power, but then it had to deal with, you know, Renamo, a, 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 a counter group that was set up in what was then Rhodesia. Um, did you... And of course, their their goal in part was national sovereignty. So I can see why they'd be disappointed ending up being dependent on donations from the United States rather than producing their own uh, drugs. Um, what was the feeling in general of the people you interviewed about, I mean, I'm not sure you covered this in your interviews, but about the whole liberation struggle, because it was a long and costly struggle. 
And the Portuguese were not, you know, the Portuguese pulled out in 1974 in a very abrupt way that didn't allow for a smooth transition. Are people disappointed about that struggle or do they still value it as a part of their national development? Well, I think there are two sides of that struggle. As you said in the beginning, uh, when the Portuguese left Mozambique, they left with they left behind a lot of destruction and they left behind a civil war. And between, you know, the Portuguese leaving and the civil war between Henamo and Frilimo, most of the country infrastructure was destroyed. So, and the first things that were destroyed were health centers and schools. Uh, most of the... Um, professionals that worked on the health sector were Portuguese and they flew away. So that left another gap in the, in the Mozambican society. However, you know, while you have all of this massive destruction, you have from the Frilimo side, the people that stayed, the, the Mozambicans, they highly supported Frilimo because they were the Mozambican forces, while Renamo represented the Portuguese forces. So they have this sense of mission. And I had the opportunity to interview someone that uh, she used to work at the Mozambican Ministry of Health. And at the time of... Uh, the, the civil war and the, the liberation, she, she said that she was sent to study abroad by Frilimo. She, she gained uh, some funding uh, to study uh, medicine. And then with the condition to come back and serve certain years uh, within the Mozambican society, to, to be a doctor, to be a health professional, within the Mozambican society. And I asked her, did people actually come back? And she was like, you have no idea of the sense of commitment we had with this country, because we had to, it was our opportunity to, to live free from the Portuguese influence. So you had this sense of duty from, from these people at this period of time. I did also have the impression that um, they were people that I interviewed, that I talk a little bit about politics and about how, what they sensed from Mozambique's uh, development so far. Uh, I did have the sense that they were disappointed with the Frilimo project. Frilimo is in power since '94, um, so. And you do have some corruption scandals, you do have some, you know, political issues there that kind of let all these people that believed on the Frilimo project down. So you, you do have this mixture of feelings. So final quick question. You're, you're working at Queen Mary. You've got this thesis on the drivers of global health diplomacy. What do you want to do next in terms of your research? Uh, in terms of research, I want, I, again, like my field work was so different from what I expected. And I enjoyed so much looking at the technical side of international technical cooperation, the transfers of technology know-how. 
that now going forward, I want to look at Brazil and China cooperation for the COVID vaccine. Uh, I think it's a follow-up to, to my research, but in a different case. And it's a different government too. And I am hoping to look at how, you know, foreign policy, you know, serve domestic health or how domestic health serve. For, that's that's the, the framework I look at. And I want to fit this historical moment of Brazil in the COVID crisis in the international cooperation sense for the, the COVID-19 vaccines. So I want to look at Butantan and um, Sinovac and maybe look a little bit at Friocruz and uh, AstraZeneca and look at the transference of know-how there. Well, that sounds like a really great project, Maria Berta. I'm sure you're going to get into all kinds of interesting bits of research on that. And good luck at Queen Mary and uh, keep in touch with the Brazil Institute. I will. I will. Brazil Institute, it's home for me. You've been listening to the World We Got This In Conversation podcast with Maria Berta and Professor Anthony Pereira. You can find more research from the King's Brazil Institute on their website. You can also watch the replays from their recent seminars as part of Brazil Week 2022. This episode is brought to you by the School of Global Affairs and was produced by Julia Staposka and Grace Harley.